Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 12th episode of Believe in the Long Run. I am your host, Dominic Santina, back with another episode here in the second week of May. Today is May 12th, a Tuesday as we record this. Get out to you as soon as we can. Sorry that last week's episode got out a day later than normal. I've picked up quite a few things Broadcasting-wise, and we've been back to work here in northern Michigan, so I apologize if the episodes start coming out on Thursday. Just got a lot going on right now, so we're going to try to stick to that Wednesday, but if I can't get them out by Wednesday, they'll definitely be out by Thursday. And I'll make sure to hit our social media and remind you if it's either coming out Wednesdays or if it's coming out on Thursdays. So we'd like to thank Coach Dave Smith, once again a personal coach, from my high school days for taking time to join the podcast last week to talk about his history with marathons and marathon training and his experiences. It was a good podcast and good time catching up with Dave Smith. We're going to have another close personal coach of mine coming up here in a few minutes, but we have some big news to get to. And of course, we also have to start off our podcast series with our intro or our warm-up. And that's going to talk about our virtual races. I actually got in on the action this weekend, registered for a virtual race, the Kibo Run to the Well Virtual 5K, donated a few dollars, got in there, waiting to see how I stacked up against the competition. We got an 18.31 for a 5K, so not too bad. Not as fast as I would have liked it, but right about where I was all along, in my median range as normal. Good to support some different charities and get some competitive running in even if it is by yourself like I said there are a few virtual races out there I've actually signed up for another one that I'll talk about later in one of the coming podcasts but one that we'd like to mention is the hood to coast virtual race series now this is more than one race this is a 5k 10k or a half marathon It is already underway. It started on May 1st, and it runs through June 3rd. Jordan Hase is participating in this Hood to Coast virtual race series of races, and the link is on her social media. I, once again, with how busy I've been, forgot to post the link to our social media, so I'll try to get on top of that here at the end of this week and get that up on our social media pages again. Remember our social media pages, if you want to check them out, we're on Instagram at Believe in the Long Run, and we are on Twitter as well at the Long Run 5. Make sure you like, share, and post any comments, questions, or suggestions you have for our episodes. If you don't want to do the Hood to Coast virtual race series, there are plenty of other virtual races out there. You can go to virtualrunningevents.com. That's just one of many websites that host a list of virtual races that you can sign up for. I just mentioned that one because I saw it a couple weeks ago. Liked how the all the options they have and how they have it organized, so you can check them out. Or just search virtual running races on Google as well, and you can find many races there as well. We do have some, well, not breaking news as we record this, but some big-time news. It was breaking news, I believe, either Sunday or Monday. It is now Tuesday when this is recording. You'll hear it Wednesday or Thursday, or even later. But, Dathan Ritzenhain, a three-time Olympic marathon runner and the fourth-fastest marathoner in U.S. history, has decided to hang up the shoes competitively. Now, if you hear the name Dathan, and that might sound somewhat familiar, maybe you've followed him throughout his career, or 
maybe you tuned in to the Leah O'Connor interview and f- remembered that Leah is now training for Dathan. So Leah kind of hinted that Dathan was coaching her. Dathan will now turn his attention fully over to that Gazelle Elite Hoka running team. You know, Leah talked about it in her interview with us back a few episodes ago. If you haven't checked it out, one of the best interviews we've had so far on this very short-term podcast episodes or podcast series that we've we're getting our feet under us, but still pretty new to the podcast world. But a very good interview with Leah O'Connor, also a well multi-time national champion and Olympic trial competitor trying to make the 2021 Olympics what is coached by Dathan Ritzenhein so Dathan who is a competitor himself only 37 years old he made the 2004 2008 and 2012 Olympic team and had a best finish of ninth in the marathon at Beijing in 2008 he did actually compete in the 2020 Olympic marathon trials along with the 2016 marathon trials, but he dropped out of both of those, and he's only completed completed one marathon in the last five years, finishing 19th in Boston just over a year ago now in 2019. He was quoted as saying, I guess I'm not necessarily 25 and retiring in my prime. I have things that I wish I have done in my career, but I'm also very satisfied too. I think right now it's something that I've thought a lot about in the last year we've had a lot of nostalgic moments looking back a lot more than looking forward so I don't know that I had a lot more goals than what I was like than what I was looking to accomplish and I think coaching could probably play a factor into that as well we saw Shalane retire close to a year ago if not over a year ago now and move into coaching and we had already heard that Dathan was doing some coaching on his own as well, so now he can fully focus on that Gazelle Elite team. Dathan clocked a personal best time of 2 hours, 7 minutes, and 47 seconds at the 2012 Chicago Marathon. At that time, it was the third fastest time by the U.S. marathoner by a U.S. marathoner ever, but since then, Galen Rott passed him on the list. And he now sits behind Khalid, Ryan Hall, and Galen Rupp, Ritzenhain, fourth all-time. He was a high school prodigy who struggled with a lot of foot injuries in his career. An amazing 40-plus MRIs in his time as a pro, along with three surgeries. A lot of research revealed that he had an abnormal amount of pressure on his third metatarsal bone on his foot. And some of the surgeries helped deal with that. But a lot of injury-prone situations there for Dathan during his pro career. He is not without some discrepancy, though. He is. I'm going to read you an article here I found, or some of an article. It says, Dathan was an, an Olympic distance runner for the United States, was starting to feel sick from thyroid medication, a drug that was not medically necessary, but one that his coach, a powerful and combative figure in the sport, had strongly recommended to improve his performance. Now this coach, if you've listened, remember, if you listen to one of our very early podcasts, we talked about it a little bit, it actually happened before we started this series, but... Alberto Salazar, the head man at the Nike Oregon Project, was Dathan's coach. And so it goes on here. They kind of had a falling out, and we're going to read more into it a little bit. you got to give the full picture of Dathan's career, but it mentions Alberto Salazar, a running legend himself, who after competitive career teamed up with Nike to train elite runners. His dismissive, he was dismissive when Ritzenhain expressed concerns. Ritzenhain later said, under oath, Salazar was, was focused on reviving Ritzenhain's endocrine system for a coming race, instead of just whatever was best for my health. The tension between Ritzenhain and Salazar over medical issues and the methods of performance enhancing was not, co- not uncommon in the Oregon project. The vaunted team, financed by Nike and led by Salazar, that includes some of the world's most celebrated runners, 
Gretchen Hines' experience along with incidents involving several other athletes were laid out in a vivid detail and confidential report written by the United States Anti-Doping Agency that was obtained by the New York Times. So it sounds like Dathan also had a hand in this whole Alberto Salazar case, which ultimately we know Salazar was handed that suspension earlier at the end of 2019. Excuse me, the suspension came down February 1st of 2020. So early into 2020, Dathan gets that suspension after being investigated. It was a four-year suspension due to doping violations, which sounds like Dathan maybe not, or not doing everything as he felt was right, I should say, maybe not illegally, but doing things the way that he felt were the right way to do it, and he didn't like the pressure that Salazar was putting on him. It's kind of interesting to see that Dathan had a little bit of a hand in getting rid of Salazar or had some of his own issues. This was reported by the New York Times, this article. You can find it on This Doesn't Sound Legal. That's the title of it on the New York Times, and it talks about the fallout between Ritzenhain and Salazar and what Salazar was really trying to push Dathan to do, and Dathan really didn't seem like he approved of it. And that's just tip of the iceberg with Alberto Salazar and his runners that we've now found out not the best way to go. So Salazar, a very, very black cloud over him as a coach, but there's one coach that's a pretty clear sky, and that's my old head coach at Boyne City High School. Andy Place, Coach Place, was available and helped me out this week quickly when I needed to find a guest, decided that he would take time out of his day to sit down and have a phone conversation with me, and he's been definitely more than a coach. I know I've gone to him even after I was done running with him and just sat down and talked to him about what's going on in life, what's going on in college. And one thing, he'll talk about his college experience here coming up in a minute, but I remember going to him my freshman year. And when I ran in college, we did not have an indoor training facility or a track on campus. We would commute to a track maybe two times a week to practice for track season and so I remember kind of going to him complaining a little bit and he told me that when he was at Saginaw Valley they didn't have a track but yet they still won a national championship so a lot of my concerns that I voiced to him about college early on and running he listened but he also didn't cut me any slack and he helped me definitely push to what I could become he got me into the success of where I finished and he definitely had a big hand in all of it he coached 33 years in cross country I decided to bring him on the podcast not only because of him being my high school coach but of how long he's coached in high school the history that's been there and most importantly he has decided to step away head coach of the high school team just within the last couple months now. It's become official. So 33 years he spent at Boyne City and Boyne Falls High School. He'll tell us all about it here just in a minute. But he also coaches the girls track and field team right now as well. He's always had a hand in the track and field team for a long time as well. But recently they've won two straight regional championships. And we'll talk about that slightly at the end as well. I was on the coaching staff this year as a volunteer. looking. I was very excited to be along some of my high school coaches, including Coach Place and a few others. And really looking forward. I know we all, everyone on the coaching staff and the girls on the team were looking forward to going for a three-peat and were the heavy, heavy favorites to go out and do that. And it was looking like we were set and confident heading into that before our season got shut down. And it's a big bummer for that to happen because I think we would have reached our goals. But two straight regional championships calculated it out, including myself. There's He's had five of his athletes now in the last five years signed to go to a college to run that either be NAIA or in the three divisions of the NCAA. He's a guy that loves to talk. He loves to tell stories and he'll always have a special place with me in running. So let's now introduce my high school cross country coach, Coach Andy Place. So I was in by the way, you know, your first question was about Saginaw Valley State University. Uh, yeah. We were just a college at the point, so it was 
they, when I started at Saginaw Valley, they just had added the state to the name, and we were a college. So we were, we were still fairly small and just getting into um, having sports. And so my freshman year at Saginaw Valley, I went out for the football team. They, they were taking everybody, you know. Uh, we had, I don't know, 120 people out for football. And, and Muddy Waters was the head coach and also the athletic director. And he was, at, at that point, even at that point, I think he was a Hall of Fame coach, uh, football coach in, in Michigan. And so he had been coaching at Hillsdale. Well, what he did is he brought a lot of staff from Hillsdale to Saginaw Valley. And one of that, one of those people was Dr. Doug Hansen. And so my second year at Saginaw Valley was the first year they had track and cross country. So it was, it was again, brand new, taking everybody, you know. So the only people I think that had scholarships were the, uh, the cross country guys because uh, Coach Hansen could use, you know, uh, one scholarship for two sports. You know, and so um, he did a lot of recruiting. We, we got a number of junior college guys and that type of thing. But it was it was a really good experience for me in being one of the founding members of the, uh, of the track team because I didn't run cross country. I just ran track. And, and I was captain for a couple of years and things like that. And just a lot of the coaching that I do is, is based on uh, – what Doug Hansen did for us. Uh, he was a, a really good influence for me. And so once I uh, graduated from, from college, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of track meets out there. <laughs> you just don't find, you know, like you do road races or something like that. And so I, um, I started running road races. But one of the things, looking back at Saginaw Valley, at the time, we didn't realize it, but that was the, the time frame that they called a running boom. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the distance running boom in the United States and probably across the world. So, cause, so that was, um, well, you know, you still had Prefontaine running in 72, and, and that was, I was still in high school. It was, uh, wasn't a big deal in northern Michigan yet, and that kind of thing, but by the time I got to college, it became a big thing. And, and with the kids that were coming out of uh, some of the other areas of Michigan, you know, they were all into the, the real distance running and things like that. And then came the 76 Olympics with um, Frank Shorter. And, you know, everybody was just into running to the point where people would wear running shorts to the grocery store, you know? Well, like people wear sweatpants or whatever. No, you'd wear running shorts to the grocery store. Everybody had a pair of running shorts, and uh, everybody ran something. You know, it was it was just a huge time for that. And road races were just getting started. It, it wasn't like there was one for every festival like there is now. You know, and and then the races were road races were odd distances at times. They weren't all just five k's and ten k's. You get a Gaylord had a seven and a half miler. The Boyne City Fourth of July run was an eight miler that you had to take. You had to go out to Advance, up Wilson Road, and then back Marshall Road. And so it was hills and things like that. You know, people made them real challenging, things like that. So it was it was an interesting uh, way to go. So so yeah, it, it just really got me going. So I've been running pretty much since, uh, we'll say, 19, the spring of 1977, which was me, my, my first year running track in Saginaw Valley. Because, as you know, when you're in college, you you run year-round, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah and, and even the track guys uh, run year-round. So it's, uh, it's what you do. And uh, so that, that was kind of uh, unique. So um, uh, my wife and I moved up here after I graduated in 1980, and for a lot of different reasons. But, um, yeah, so I just started running road races here, and then it turned into marathons and some other things. So, yeah, I just 
and then coaching really wasn't on my mind at all. I was coaching myself, you know, and, uh, and I'm sure you do that too, you know, when you get, you know, you get your workouts and you got, okay, I'm going to go through this this day, I'm going to hills this day, whatever, you know, you just kind of come up with, with those workouts. And so that's what I was doing. And, and I, um, I, I had a point where I, I changed jobs. I had had a sports store down, downtown, Point City. I sold that. And then I started working at Honeywell here in Point City. It wasn't the Honeywell at the time, but it was the same plant. And I get this call one day, and uh, it's a guy named Mike Wallace, who was the athletic director and principal and probably a lot of other things at Boyne Falls Schools. And he said, hey, um, we need a coach for cross country. Would you do it? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no. <laughs> I, I, I really, I got a brand new job, I don't have time to be coaching and all that kind of stuff. And by the end of the conversation, he kind of guilted me into it. So I wasn't really looking to uh, become a coach. In fact, as, as we went on, I remember that first, after that first year, it was like, okay, I will coach another year, you know, if there's at least one kid that wants to run, I'll, you know, I'll coach kind of thing because uh, it was tough starting up a new sport. Wade um, Falls had never had cross country before and their league um, had just organized and said, hey, we're all going to do cross country in the fall. And so they didn't hire me until a couple weeks into September, which, you know, you know, the cross country season, you're you know, pretty much into it, right? Right. And so it was, it was interesting. Uh, we used to do home and away dual meets, just like you do with basketball, you know? Mm-hmm. We, we would go to Mackinac City and they would come to our place, you know, and back and forth. And so we had some, I had some really good teams there. We went, um, we won the conference there six years in a row in five out of those six years. Well, actually, we only lost a one conference meet in those six years. So and we got, you know, taking the teams to the state meet and one um, all-state runner out of there. And so going along there, and then um, then I got a call. We, we were doing pretty well, and I got a call one, time, one day from um, Point City Athletic Director. Well, now Point City hadn't had cross-country in a couple of years, and I don't know exactly how long it'd be good to find that out at some point, but they said the athletic director was a Chris Perlinski, and he says, hey, how do I get a cross-country team started? You know, really like to get cross-country going. I've got some girls here that would like to run, which one of them was my daughter, Amy, and so it was like, tell you what, just have them come over to Boyd Falls, and at that time, um, all of our practices were out at Boyd Mountain. And uh, just come on out to Boyne Mountain. You know, this is the practice time. I'll coach them. Um, and then I, I spent, you know, the whole season, I was talking all of these race directors into letting the Boyne City team run, too. You know, and, and we didn't have a full team or anything. And they were all brand new. And, you know, we got some great coaches in the area. And they just thought, oh, yeah, bring those kids along. You know, we, we won't charge you for them. And they can just run. And, that kind of stuff. So we did that for a year, actually for two years. So for two years, I was coaching both Point Falls and Point City cross country, which I don't know that the MHSA would actually allow that anymore. Probably not. They they, they probably didn't allow it at the time, but no one knew. You know, cross country was completely off the radar for people. Right. You know? And so so I, I had these these girls, um, my daughter and her friends graduated the second year. I had met a young lady at the 4th of July race. Uh, she was running with her dad. Her name is Jane Stieber. And Jane, um, as a freshman, you know, she was going to come in as a freshman that fall. And I said, hey, we've got this thing called cross country. You know, if you want to, you know, come over. We've got, you know, we've got a team, school team, uh, sort of. And, you know, we do this thing with Boyd Falls. And 
So she shows up with her dad, and I talked her dad into helping me out, and he became an assistant coach for a while. And, you know, she was so good that she was beating most of the boys on the Boyd Falls team. Wow. And, yeah, so it was, uh, it was like, okay, I've got a real good runner here. What do we do? And, and also that year, we had more Boyd City kids running than they did Boyd Falls kids. So I went to the school board and they said, you know, it really isn't fair that Point Falls is, you know, supplying the bus and, you know, the coach and everything. We probably, Point City should probably do this, you know, ourselves and I'll coach the team. We'll let Point Falls uh, get a new coach and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so it, I don't know, it came together. We created a team and... That, that um, So that would be Jane's sophomore year. She talked to a bunch of her friends in coming out, some really good athletes. Now, at that time, girls' basketball was in the fall. So it was really hard to get girl athletes out for cross country because they were all playing basketball and, and stuff. Well, we did, we did have a, a couple of girls who uh, did both, cross country and basketball, and we were good enough to win the conference that year, like Michigan Conference. And and it was just, it was a tight race with Charlotte Boyd, but we, we, we beat them, and so all of a sudden, we're, we're a big deal, you know? And at that time, if you had five girls running, you could do really well. <laughs> all you needed was five girls to run, maybe seven, okay? And so, um, but what we did is these girls just got better and better. And by the time they were seniors, I had uh, six or, well, I think I had seven of them all running in the 21s or better. And, and, and that year, so Jane's senior year, she was all state. We finished fifth in the state at the state meet. We didn't win the region. We, we should have won the region. We were hosting the region. And we, we didn't run well that day. But we did run well enough as a team to be able to go to the state meet. And like I said, we, we finished uh, fifth in the state. And, you know, and, and Jim Stever, that would be Jane's dad, he looks at it. Every time I see him now, he's like, you know, we could have been state champs. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those things where you look back and say, um, you know, if someone started from this and that, you know, if they just run a little better, we could have been state champs. But you know what? You can't do that to yourself. You, you, you always have to go forward, you know. Just, they did what they did, you know. Mm. Uh, you got to be happy with that. Uh, so that's how I, I got to Boyd City. And so, so then basically I've been here since then and for over 20 years. We've had a lot of ups and downs. There were seasons where we barely could field a team. Sometimes we couldn't field the whole boys team, but we always came up with some talent. And so, yeah, we've just been able to put some things together. And the cross country teams, you know, we've kind of created a, a culture. And I wouldn't say, you know, our, our program is necessarily so strong that we're, you know, one of those top contenders every year kind of thing. But we have fun with it, and it's, you know, it's all about the athletes, the athletes of the program, you know, it's, it's not me, it's, it's the kids, you know, the kids that come in, and, you know, some want to work hard, some just want to be with their friends, whatever it is, and we take them all, and we train them all, and sometimes they surprise themselves on how well they can do, so, you know, it's a, it's a great sport, and a lot of people... You know, I, I love those new parents every year that come in and say, what's this all about? Well, you got to do this. You got to you, you got to run around the course to to see your kids run, you know, and things like that. It's, it's fun, you know, uh, working with them. Yeah, it is. So, what would I'm sure the Jane Stever is one of them, but what are a few of your best moments from coaching? You know, there's. I'm sure there's a ton, but... <laughs> there are a bunch. You know, um, one of my favorite places to go is Mackinac City. Okay? You, you know, I used to take you and, and the team up yep. there to Mackinac City and stuff like that. And we would 
run some different races, but one of my best memories was the very first meet we ever won in Boyne Falls was in Mackinac City. And like I said, we used to do these dual meets home and away. Mm-hmm. So we were up there, and they said, hey, would you mind if Atlanta, you know, the little town of Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, on the other side of uh, Gaylord there, would you mind if they uh, came and ran in our race? And I was like, not bad, you know. And they had one really good kid. I think he was the coach's son. And, and then some others that ran. So when they did the scoring, in, well, anyhow, we ended up losing to Mackinac City, okay? Well, we stopped at McDonald's. There was a McDonald's in, in uh, Mackinac City at that time. We stopped there, and I'm going through the scores, and it's like, wait a minute. They, they scored the Atlanta kid in, in, in here. He, he shouldn't have been scored. So I redid the, the calculations, like, oh, we win by a point. So uh, one of the uh, one of our team leaders and I actually ran from downtown Mackinac City out to the high school because everybody else was still there eating and stuff like that. We, we ran back there, cut the athletic director, and uh, said, hey, look how we scored this. And he's like, oh, you're right. Well, I guess you guys win. <laughs> so it was, it was uh, pretty amazing. That was uh, such a great feeling. But then, you know, I had a lot of other ones, like you said. When I was at Boyne Falls again, we had a year where we won the region on a tiebreaker. Okay? You win the region on a tiebreaker. Your sixth man comes in before their sixth man. And it's just like, wow, what a great feeling to, to win that way, you know? Because you, you, you try to tell everybody that everyone is important, you know? Everybody on the team is important. And so it comes down to your sixth man, and, and uh, he comes through, and it, it, it's just what an awesome feeling. But from there, you know, I've had a lot of other just really great athletes, great teams, you know, that came together. Just a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of good memories there. And, you know, after I'd been coaching Boyd City for a couple of years, they came through, uh, the athletic director came through and said, hey, would you coach the girls' track team? I was like, ah, oh. I had already committed myself to be an official for track yeah. that season. So um, I was like, oh, I can't do it. I'm, I'm already uh, committed to certain meets uh, to, to be an official. And but uh, So he came back the next year. And so that's when I started uh, coaching the girls' track team. And, and again, that was Jane Stever and, and her class, which were just great athletes. In fact, some of them still have uh, school records for us. That uh, we won the conference track meet three years in a row. And so, yeah, it was, uh, that was a good start there. And we just had some great kids, great athletes over the years. It was really cool. MHSAA puts out weekly, uh, they put, or maybe it's monthly, they put out this MHSAA Now, it's kind of a magazine sort of thing, but they, they just hit a few things, and it's online, and one of the, uh, just this last one that came out this last week, showed, you know, it wasn't a story, it was a video of a girl named Sammy Mitchell, who won four events at the state meet, I think two years in a row, anyhow, can you imagine winning four events, and two of those events were hurdles. Well, she she was the girl who beat Kylie Hicks on Kylie's junior year, I believe it was. No, or maybe it's no, maybe it's sophomore year. Anyhow, so the the video shows there's our Kylie, mm-hmm. Kylie Hicks, rather you know finishing second in the state in both the high hurdles and the three hundred hurdles. So that that's really cool. That you know that always makes me proud when they do that. And I had some just. Great experiences. Uh, one of the other ones with Kylie, uh, as I'm thinking about it, is we're at the state meet. She's getting into the blocks for the 100-meter uh, hurdles. And, and I'm standing there. I'm holding all of her sweats and stuff like that. And I hear in the crowd, oh, watch that kid. Watch that girl from Boyne City. She's really good. You know? And it's like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> yes, she is. So, yeah, you know, you always feel good about it that for your kids you know you you wish the, the kids parents could hear that you know and some of them get to so uh, we've got some 
for a third, and then we don't get the chance. So it makes it tough. I, you know, I don't know how uh, strong the girls feel about all of that. I know some of them are pretty sad, but we've got some that are going on to college, so in running in college, so that'll be pretty exciting for them. We'll go off of that. You know, Avery and Josie signed this year. Was it Emily the year before, Cliff before that? I was a couple years before that. We've had quite a few people sign in the last couple years. What's that say about what the program is turning into? Well, you know, it's about you athletes, really. You guys have done some some great things. And like I said, not as much about the program, like the coaching and things like that. I mean, you guys just get in there and work hard. And, you know, as coaches... We can give you workouts, but we, we can't put the effort in for you, you know? And, and you guys all did that. And that, that's what makes it really special. So, you know, I, I used to tell you know, parents in parent meetings, especially the new ones, you know, we don't have an offense, we don't have a defense, not like other sports. We give the kids workouts that should make them successful, but they have to put in the time, they have to put in the effort, you know, and, and that type of thing, and, and when they do, you get some special kids come out of that, you know, and so yeah, for, for you and Cliff and, and the girls, you know, that's been really special, and we've had some even before that, but, you know, even Jane Steber, Jane Steber uh, ran in at Northern, and Mindy McCutcheon ran at Northern, and we had, and, and Teresa Ann went to Michigan State, and stuff like that, so, you know, it, it's, it is really cool to, uh, have your kids go on to the next level. Again, I had such a great experience at the college level that I just love to get so many kids to get to that level and, and have that same experience. All right, well, we've kind of hit on the questions here and there, so we'll end it with one last question. Is there anything on the cross-country side that you wish you could have accomplished team-wise or coaching-wise? You know, again, there's one of those things where you, tough to look back, you know, because there we had certain things, certain times where, yeah, one little change might have been, made a difference or whatever, but you know what, you, you, you can't dwell on that. You know, the, the one thing that I, I did learn, and it, and it gets you personally, is that I may not be the ideal coach for every athlete, Okay. And so I, I feel bad about that, and I wish I could be the best coach for every athlete, but there are times when it just doesn't doesn't work. Uh, people don't work into the program as well or, or something. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's one of those things that uh, I don't know that I could do over, but I, I just always, it, it, it touches me personally that, you know, hey, somebody came out one year and ran well, and then, the next year they're gone, and you don't know how that how that happened necessarily. But you try to work on it and improve everything that you do. Well, thank you, Coach. You've helped me a lot throughout the years, and always been there to listen or advice. Yeah. Or even this spring was planning on coaching alongside you, but that didn't pan out. But yeah. we'll yeah, see. I, we'll see what I, goes I on this fall. That would have been so great this spring to have you there, and because um, I, I know you are a good motivator for the kids. That's the other thing is you know the, the kids need a, a, someone to motivate them, and because they've got the talent, and they just have to get in there and, and use it, you know, and, and work hard at it. So, um, but yeah, I've always appreciated all the work that you put in, and, and all the people around you, you know. So you kind of surround yourself with some good people. Well, thank you, Coach, and thank you for taking time to talk. Okay. All right. Well, once again, we'd like to thank Coach Place for his time and availability to join the podcast. And thank you once again, Coach, for everything you've done throughout my career. We will see what heads down the road, and there's a possibility. I know we just saw each other today, actually, as I record this on our run and sat down and talked for a little bit, but... We'll see what happens around this fall, whether we can team back up and help the cross-country team once again try to have a successful season. 
I hope you enjoy your time away. I know you're not going to be able to walk away completely because you're you're very attached to running and you have a very strong passion for the sport. So I know you're not going away anytime soon. You're still going to have your hand in it when you can and I know everyone will appreciate the help. We're now going to move into our cool down portion of the podcast and we're on to our 25 golden rules of running found on runnersworld.com now if there's one that I may not agree majority do not agree with it would probably be this one this is the seventh rule it states for each mile that you race allow one day to recover before returning to hard work training or racing so if you run a 10k they want you to take six days if you run a marathon they want you to take 26 days now I I see their point they have a fair point have I ever done that in my career no the only way that I would probably ever do this is if I did run a marathon because I know after you run a marathon there is quite a bit of downtime before you start making your way back up to the point where a lot of people take quite a bit off of even not even running so this rule was originated by the late Jack Foster the Masters Marathon Champion world record holder he ran a 2.11.18 in the marathon from 74 to 90 we wrote the book Tale of the Ancient Marathoner my method is roughly to, roughly to have a day off of racing for every mile I raced they do have an exception according to runner's rule for this rule it's if you race if your race effort wasn't all out taking fewer recover days is okay well that goes against everything I've ever done because every race I've ever run it's been all out I've gave it all my all but with being in college and high school there's not time to take six days off for a 10k or three days off for a 5k or whatever and I've lived by that mentality my whole life would I probably have recovered better yeah most likely and I don't think it's gonna hurt you your training might take longer but I mean it's all personal personally what you like to do for me yeah, a day maybe, or two days max, but I'm not taking three, six, or more. If I get in, like I said, if I get to the marathon distance, yeah, I probably would agree with that. But I think it's all what you feel and how you feel. I've, since day one of cross country, we've had a race Saturday, and by Monday, Tuesday, we were back doing a hard workout again. It's it's all how you take it. I mean, cross country, we'd have a race Saturday, and Monday would be workout, or... Saturday or Friday would be race, Sunday would be a long run with some tempo mixed in, or I'd push during my long run. So it's all personal opinion, but I don't necessarily agree with this one. I see their point, but from how I've been trained and how I run, I don't follow this rule, honestly. We'll move into our two-mile training tip. Like we said, we're going to do the month of May. The two-mile distance is what we're going to focus on. These ones are pretty simple. We might have kind of hit on them for the month of April for the one-mile, but for the two-mile distance, number one tip is do over-distance work. It says since you're running, like I said, it's kind of a baseline of where I want to go with the conversation to help kind of guide me along. Since you're doing a two-mile run, it suggests running three to five miles two to three times a week. Personally, I try to run at least five. I at least try to run Monday through Friday or, you know, five days in in a week. The more often you run, the easier it's going to be able to run those two miles. If you're only running three times a week, it's going to be tough to run a fast two-mile because the way I like to do it, easy day, or workout, easy day. Workout, recovery day. Workout, so, or, you know, maybe uh, workout, two days recovery, whatever. But when you're only doing that two to three times a week, you can't really get speed work and tempo or hills and a still a long run or recovery run. So more than two to three times a week is good, but 
in running more than your race distances, I would always suggest that because you want that endurance to make it through that two-mile distance, not to the two-mile distance. So running more than your distance is always a good idea. But it also says don't overdo it. Remember that your body actually gets stronger while resting, not training. It says training four to six days a week, like I mentioned. Five in the middle there should be sufficient. Try not to train seven days a week. You need your rest. Yes and no. I think you need your rest here and there. When I was training at a high level, running 65 miles a week, I was taking a rest day every two weeks. And I held up just fine. It's all what your body. You got to listen to your body, though. If your body says you need to take a break, you need to take a break. Best example of that, I went for my run today. I was supposed to do a track workout. I went for my warm-up. I was going to do a mile and a half. And I got half a mile in, and my legs were dead. I had done a long run on Sunday and a 5K on Saturday, the 5K Kibo virtual race that I was talking about. I ran 11 miles for my long run on Sunday. I did not run on Monday, but still my legs were not feeling it. So I made the decision, all right, we're going to change it up. We're just going to go for a normal run today. I'm going to run for 45 minutes. And by the end, I was dragging in my first mile. By the end, I was almost under seven minute pace. So my legs freed up, they got loose. It's exactly what I need and I'll just switch it around and do my workout tomorrow. So you gotta listen to your body. If you need a day off, take a day off. If you need to take it easy, take it easy. I definitely think you should have a rest day at some point. It doesn't have to be every week. If you wanna do it every two weeks, but I wouldn't wait any more than that. I know my college coach, we had him on the podcast, Alex Wilson. I believe during his marathon training, he said he took a rest day every 10 days. So make sure you take at least one rest day in here and there. Coach Place doesn't. He's on a run every day plan. It's all personally what you like, but for me, I like to, when you're in high intensity training, training super hard, definitely take a rest day. If you're the casual runner that just likes to get out and run and just run for the fun of it, you could be all right. But if your body's telling you you need a break, make sure you take a break. All right, guys. This one's a, definitely a longer podcast, but I always have fun talking to Coach Place. We had some breaking or big-time news that we needed to talk about. So I hope you enjoyed it. I thought there were some good topics with Coach Place. I thought we had some interesting stuff in the beginning of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, go follow our social media. Believe in the long run on Instagram. Long Run 5 on Twitter. Like, share, comment. Any suggestions for the podcast, any thoughts you have, anything you want to say. We're not afraid to put it out there. We'll, we'll get your feedback and either tweak it or mention you on the podcast. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. I already got my run in, so I can't go say that I'm going to go for my run. But we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Hope you're all staying safe. Thank you for, for listening to Believe in the Long Run. We'll see you later. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.